Okay, are we live? Hello. Hello, it seems like we are live. Uh, what's this, Meat-Based 18, I believe? It's 19, but I'll oh, let it is that 19. Wait, <laughs> okay. should we check? I think we better check. Guys, I, 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 I swear assume. we like do this all the time. Yeah, it's Meat-Based, I think, 19. I was just going over okay. <laughs> some of I'm my gonna stuff. Stop I'm going to stop assuming the numbers just in case it's, I get it wrong. No, no, it is 18. <laughs> it is 18. You're right. Sorry. Okay. There we go. Me based 18. Um, so Nicole and myself thought we would do a bit of a different episode. Uh, I know our last one, we mentioned that we were going to do a book review. Um, and the book is Sacred Cow by Diana Rogers and Rob Wolf. We really think it's a, it's a, re there we go. It's a, it's a really, really important book in the meat-based realm. It, it really, it, it tackles so many different topics in a very gentle way that it's, it just, it, it opens the door for many conversations is what I'm saying. You know, a, a lot of books like the carnivore diets or the carnivore code or whatever, like these, it's cool. But it's very in your face. I'm like, I have all those books. <laughs> like, we, no, we all have these books. But this is important because it's it's tackling the broader issue of so many different topics about eating meat. And we just thought we would flesh out the book a bit, uh, give our two cents on a few topics, um, and basically just it's sort of a, a homage to this to this awesome book and a different way of. Um, approaching the podcast for a change but uh, Nicole what, what did you think of the book just like on a from a very broad sense before we sort of dive into our what resonated with us uh, yeah I just want to say now that it doesn't matter if you're a vegetarian a vegan paleo carnivore whatever you are if you're just following a modern American diet um, or standard American diet right now um, it's really for everyone and it really just makes the case for I mean it says it on the book and everything but for better meat um, and how we are getting our meat and how we're, you know, raising our cattle, how we're doing our farming, both from, you know, livestock, from animal livestock, and then also just from like plant agriculture and stuff too. Mm -hmm. So it kind of goes into all of that. Um, and I think it's a great book just because again, like they're not saying like you can't be vegan. They're not saying you can't eat how you want to eat, but they just want people to understand that there's, there's issues in our agricultural systems for both plants and animals. And Hey, these are like, this is how we want to solve them. And they really want to throw out real numbers. As you guys know, there is so much propaganda right now around, um, saying, Hey, let's get rid of meat altogether. Mm. And it's like, even if you did that, right. I believe it'd be like 2% reduction in emissions. And people also forget like, you know, the cattle, it's like part of the life cycle of the carbon emissions and mm -hmm. the, um, the cycle with the soil and everything. So it's just, there's a lot of, I want to say, what is it like greenwashing, but there's yeah. like a lot of propaganda yeah. around going vegan and it's not actually sustainable to not have animals and just live off plants, which is mm -hmm. mostly monocrops. And there's a lot of money and there's a lot of you know, things behind the scenes where it's not going to be as good for you, um, especially with nutrients deficiencies and stuff. Yeah. And right off the bat, um, you mentioned about that, like if we remove all the livestock in the United States, it'll only reduce greenhouse gases by 2.5%. 
which is crazy. And even that number is probably a bit flawed. But on top of that, a, a big stat, which can maybe jump us uh, forward in today's conversation is that 60% of the I knew, land- I was going to say the same yeah, thing. 60% I knew of the land <laughs> cannot be used for crops. So assuming that, remo- so basically what I'm saying is 60% of the land in the world cannot be used for traditional farming practices, like like your traditional monocropping and things like that. So if you remove all the livestock, what what is that? What is going to happen to that land? Is it just going to fertilize itself? It, no, it's going to perish. Uh, you need mm-hmm. livestock on land, a cycle of life and death for yep. for a a thriving uh, ecosystem to take place. It's as simple yeah. as that, you know. It goes back honestly. Mm-hmm. It goes back to early schooling that we had about biodiversity. And how, you know, people are, these animals live in these environments and they're like totally dependent on each other, right? You know, like the cow is fertilizing the soil, right? And there's just this huge thing and then they eat it and then they're getting their water. There's just, it's just crazy now. It's like, oh, forget forget all that, (laughs) you know? Um, But yeah, the thing is, is that, you know, the cattle can actually be on that land that you can't use for plant agriculture, Mm -hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, you know, Bill Gates can only buy so much that can be used <laughs> by plants. Right. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's, it's so crazy. Um, speaking of cattle, so obviously they provide so much, they, it's just very little goes to waste in the traditional agriculture space is what I'm seeing. Like, especially with beef production, or the whole animal is used, the entire animal is used. And there's often a sort of misconception, especially in our community, and especially the rising inflation prices and things like that, that no, you have to only buy the best and organic and again, the organ meats and the organ supplements. And if you're not buying Mm -hmm. grass fed grass finished, then you're wasting your time. And we've spoken about this plenty in the podcast. But I think a nice quote here that I've got in front of me that sort of uh, confirmed my our thoughts about this. So they, they, they wrote here, uh, perhaps most glaring, although grass-fed meat may be superior from a sustainability perspective, current research indicates that it is only marginally different from conventionally raised meat when it comes to health and nutrients. So basically, study after study is showing that in terms of health, it's it's not going to do you much better to buy grass, um, grass fed, grass finished. And I think we actually touched on this our last podcast. So it's very recent, yeah. but, but that's why I think I, I wanted to bring it up is because they, there is, there's strong science behind that. It's not bullshit. There's strong science behind it. And, and like we said in our previous episode is that if you could afford it, cool, like support local, buy grass fed, grass finished. But if you can't, I, th- I kind of think your health matters more, you know, than, I mean, what's the alternative? We've said this a hundred times. What's the alternative? You're going to go buy yeah. some bread now instead of meat. No, yeah. just buy the cheapest meats. If that's, how, if that's what you can afford, buy the cheapest meats. If that's what you can afford, it's as easy as that. Totally. It's yeah. like you rather eat the meat than not eat it at all. And that's like hundred percent. That's why I don't like shame people. I feel like it's, we've talked about this, but I feel like it's mm. elitist to say that mm. you should only buy regenerative meat. You know, like there's people in third world countries, which, you know, like, again, like it's probably 
better quality meat. They're probably not factory farming their, you know, yeah, beef or whatever. The but yeah, yeah, that's the irony of it. But yeah. all I'm saying is that, you know, if you can get the meat, because really what it comes down to is, you know, what you're talking about is the nutrients, right? It's like the most nutrient dense food you can eat. Um, in vegetarians and vegans, the most common deficiencies and nutrients that they see is zinc, uh, vitamin, vitamin B6, vitamin B12, vitamin D3, magnesium, and then like the omega-3s fatty acids. Um, so those are like the ones that they see the most in vegans and vegetarians. And a lot of that stuff, like iron, for example, you know how like the, the hemi iron or mm. am I pronouncing that right? The hem iron. I knew I say it wrong. I'm like, is it hem or heme? But <laughs> the iron and the absorption amount that you can actually take from an animal is way higher than you can actually mm. absorb from plants, right? Because mm. plants are so fibrous and usually they move through you where animals, you know, your body is made out of animal cells and they really mm. just absorb all of those animal, you know, nutrients that come through. Mm -hmm. So even if you are eating something right. And you think you're getting the nutrients, chances are it's not absorbing at the same rate for animals. So anyways, I thought that was interesting because like you see like the, maybe this is too much to get into, but they do talk about this in the book, like the all-time highs of depression, anxiety, mm -hmm. nutrient deficiencies. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, you just think like, I know you're going to bring this up, but our meat consumption is also at an all-time low. Yeah. So you have like meat consumption at all-time low and then mm. all these deficiencies, these mental illnesses, this depression, like I'm seeing like for the first time, like kids, like, you know, having anxiety, like when mm. I was growing up and you're probably the same way, like I never was anxious. I never had a thought about being like sad or feeling like not good we were just outside playing and like mm -hmm. eating what we ate and I just think that's so I don't know if you have a thought on on that I know you do well yeah I was gonna say that's that's actually pretty synchronous because over here so he has the he has the quote from the book so since 1970 our intake oh no yeah since yeah. 1970 our intake of beef has actually declined from 2.7 ounces per person per day to 1.8 Per, per day and our poultry our poultry intake has more than doubled and and that's indicative i mean if you walk in the if you if chicken is seen we've spoken about this as well is the chicken is seen as this clean alternative like why it's a weak bird don't <laughs> don't i mean i like a good chicken every now and again if it's on a barbecue or braai but in general it's just don't <laughs> no it's okay so taylor and i were actually going back and forth about this because sometimes like i feel like i want chicken and first of all i think people think it's not a huge cow it's just a bird like i feel more comfortable killing this animal yeah. right so i feel like there's like this ethical or like moral stance to ch like killing chickens being like i don't know just like less of an impact on your moral conscience or whatever um but then also people don't realize like if you look at a chicken back in the day and you look at a chicken now mm. it's like unrecognizable like they got like breasts just like me they got like breasts <laughs> out to here <laughs> and like no but it's it's crazy so if you actually look at like the progression mm. i wish you could like put a picture right now on the screen of like the progression of the chicken so they've I gotten think. they've gotten smaller just to get your so that they've gotten smaller or bigger 
No, they've gotten bigger because they're gotten pumping, bigger. Them, yes. they're okay. pumping yeah. them with like antibiotics. They're mm. overfeeding them by purpose. Yeah. They're trying to capitalize on how much you know, meat they can get from a chicken, right? Yes. So it's totally unnatural. They're mm-hmm. in these environments of being very confined. So that's why when people just say, oh, it's just chicken, it's like, well, you know, like, is it pasture? I'm like, mm. is it pasture raised? You know, is it roaming around? Like, what do these chickens look like? You know, can I like Google them and be like, what does <laughs> this type of chicken from this farm look like? But it would be crazy if you could show because there is a progression picture I've seen recently where it's like a 1960s chicken, just like <laughs> looking chill and normal. And then you like mm-hmm. get to like now and it's just like unrecognizable. Mm-hmm. It's like a, a cyborg uh chicken or something kind of kind of like the 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 the, the photos of like bananas or bananas yes uh, yes uh, it, it's quite it's really it's scary I was, I was walking i was in yumbo yesterday good old good old yumbo yeah netherlands grocery store for people that don't know by grocery the grocery store and oh my gosh the bananas <laughs> they're like, huge the the the, the ecological biological bananas were about this big for like uh i'm using my face as like sort of the scale yeah the normal bananas just an average banana was like that big how on earth does is an organic banana bigger than yeah. please explain that to me i i don't know i i, I give up on that uh, uh <laughs> it's called genetically modified engineering right like it's literally like it's it's like do you think those are good? Like, okay, here's the thing. If you eat that genetically modified banana, right? Cause essentially that's what it is yeah. today. Do you think that it's like more harm than good versus if you, and it's organic, or do you think that eating the chicken today, mm. that's not pasture raised. That's like, which one, like, are they both pretty bad for you? Or do you think it's kind of like, I would argue chicken's probably worse. <laughs> I don't want to say worse. Actually, I actually don't know to be honest. Yeah. Uh, I prefer animal-based products anyway, so I think no, I always I go know, to the chicken. But, but what's interesting about what you just said? So I, I'm, I've included uh, a little bit of fruit in my diet in the evening. So the other day I bought some bananas um, as a change, and um, I, I find I'm doing okay with them to have them like for dessert. When yeah. I say them, I mean like one banana. But the crazy thing is I looked on my fitness pal. One organic banana is about 29 grams of carbs. If you think about it, a Coke, a Coca-Cola is 27 grams of, sh- of carbs from sugars. So not that I'm saying, do you know what I'm saying? I'm not sugar saying is sugar. sugar. I know what you're but, saying. But it is, a, it's, a, it's a lot of carbs from a so-called healthy thing that mm-hmm. some people have for breakfast listen i'm having one banana at the end of a hard day and i've trained and i've moved around and i've done a lot of stuff but some people are having it for breakfast with oats and oh my dad every day for the last 20 30 years i like i cannot even tell you i had to send him (laughs) stuff but he eats a bowl of cheerios because they're heart healthy with reduced fat milk and banana every single day and yeah. like, I literally have had his head, listen, I'm like Monsanto <laughs> articles and stuff. And again, like the thing is, is that yeah, you can yeah. eat banana if you want, right? Like Josh, mm-hmm. like you'll, you know, you'll do what you want. But like at the end of the day, like, would you eat the banana to get what you need? Like if you had to choose between one thing for a meal, 
are you going to eat like six ounces of chicken or mm. are you going to eat a banana? I'm probably going to eat the chicken, mm. you know, because yeah. I'm actually going to get some nutrients, even if they're yeah. cyborg chickens that are like totally like, you know, pumped full of stuff. <laughs> I'm probably going to feel better. Um, like if I had to go a day just eating chicken mm. versus if I had to go a day just eating a banana, because you're just going to burn through. And then my dad always crashes in the morning. And he's yeah. like, oh, I feel like crap right around, you know, I have to eat something. And it's like, well, yeah, you just ate like glyphosate Cheerios and a banana. <laughs> like you're yeah. just, you just crash anyway. But I do think it's pretty interesting that like all those things go up and mm. our, like when our meat consumption goes down. Yeah. And you like, it would not be good to get rid of the world of meat. It no, could I not be good. Absolutely not. And speaking of that, so you touched on teenagers and depression and things like that. I think that's a super, and super, kids. and kids, super, super important topic. So interesting. This is also a quote from the book. So we are acutely aware, we are acutely concerned with the growing number of teenagers we see going vegan because they think it's cool. So I'm not going to read the entire quote. It's a long quote. Yeah. But basically, they go into explaining how. It, 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 and, and, and this is personal experience as well. This is family that I have in the UK, in South Africa, where the kids have gone vegetarian because it's the thing to do now. Peer this, pressure. This is yeah. peer pressure. This is scary. Yeah. This is actually scary. And the problem is, like they carry on in this quote, the problem is they're substituting this, their, their traditional meat consumption with not with organic veggies and uh, good full fat dairy. No, it's with bread, pasta, Oreos. Uh, monocropped Oreos or vegan. Like that's where it gets murky for me. It's, yeah. it's like if you if you think that supporting big food in that way, even though it's vegan, is good for you and the environment, it, it's totally mis misconstrued and what do you do as a parent i'm sorry like it, it is very difficult like if your kid came to you and all their friends are going vegan it's kind of like when your one friend gets the phone and you don't get a phone it's yeah it's a scary place like wh what do you do um it's very interesting and i know you're gonna have a little one coming soon no but... i know i was like well yeah. <laughs> i actually have a few thoughts on this <laughs> i mean out here's the thing like my parents were i think we've talked about this though but like um, being vegan, like, wasn't a thing. Like mm. when we grew up, like we were playing outside, we were not on our phones. Like we didn't have phones until maybe we were in high school mm -hmm. or like, you know, maybe junior high because mm. like, you know, you're just at that age. But now I see kids with like phones when they're like 10 years old, you know, and, and when you have a lot more access, you see a lot more different things and, you know, you kind of want to be doing, you're very moldable basically when you're younger, like you mm -hmm. can be molded into like whatever, whatever's cool, whatever's popular, like you'll do it. But um, my biggest fear is that I don't want to push something too hard. So then mm -hmm. like they go the other way, you know, cause they'd be like, Oh, my mom's a carnivore, you know? And then someone at school yeah. is like, like, do you know what I mean? Like, it's hard to like yeah. not put labels on things. So then it doesn't go you, you, <laughs> the other way. I, I think you, I think you are 100% correct is like, if they want to have their little vegan stint, you kind of have to let them, but you have to be the example for them when they kind of, you kind of hope they realize it on their own because you never want to push anything in your kids. I think that's totally. the worst thing you can do. So yeah. if they came to you say, mom, mom, I want to go vegan. 
I kind of think the best thing to be is is to go, hey, you know what? I kind of don't think it's a good idea, but if that's what you want to do, do it. But yeah. don't, like you said, don't react too much because doing that's gonna and 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 the thing is, they are young Probably. enough. They're, they're young enough. Their guts are still probably in the state where they can handle that stuff you know they haven't gone to enough uh festivals no in their i was gonna yet. say too <laughs> like the thing that you can also do is like if you can set an example and it's like mm-hmm. here's the thing if mommy is a carnivore and she has a really loving relationship with your dad she's very nice and kind mm-hmm. to you she treats you well treats your dad well treats everyone well and has a six-pack and works out and trains, you know, and is really on top. Like, I feel like that is kind of like the best Hmm. scenario because Hmm. like, they'll be like, why would I want to be something else? You know, like I know what feeling and like looking good or, you know what I mean? Like, I know what that is like. So hopefully you just kind of just throw them, show them through example (laughs) that like, this is the best way. But then it'd be like, I'd be like, wait, like, what about the sugar thing? You know, like we're not having Oreos and that crap. So it'd be like, oh yeah, you can be vegan, but you can only eat like organic yeah. <laughs> fruits yeah. and vegetables. Then I'd be like, oh, I don't want to do it. That's <laughs> <laughs> too much, too much. Effort, yeah. no. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I did want to say too, like, um, I think what we will, so, sorry, you touched on basically it being popular right? Mm -hmm. Like people are peer pressured into it. And I think you probably agree with me that people only have half of the story, right? Um, They don't realize that, you know, when you are, you know, I guess if they morally wanted to not kill animals, right? That's like kind of like their reasoning, right? That's probably the most popular reason is people don't want to kill innocent creatures, right? Um, But the other half of the story is that when you're monocropping, um, you know, when you're eating your oatly milk or your, (laughs) you know, whatever it is, um, those plant-based things, those monocropping, like they have to like kill with pesticides, all of the mice, all of the rodents, all of the creatures that are on the ground. A lot of the creatures that are actually in the sky as well, like hawks and just birds and stuff too. So there really is no way of eating without blood being spilled do you know what i mean so like i feel like it's so they're getting this story that's so manipulative and it's just half of it or maybe it's it's just even like a a third or a fourth of the actual whole story Mm -hmm. so that is something that i think i really wish that people knew because it's not it's blood is being spilled no matter what food you're Mm -hmm. eating basically Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's it's pure marketing. Like you said, it's pure marketing that again, going back to the chicken being seen as clean, like oat milk is being seen as clean, anything. The word vegan is become so greenwashed that yes, everybody just thinks that, oh, it, it must be good for you. But like you said, that, that's a great example. If you are farming in a field and you have to kill these rodents and things, don't just think that that's the only death that takes place because the 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 owl uh, the owl above or the hawk that catches the mice that's been poisoned also dies. Yep. That affects the predation cycle in the entire ecosystem there. And yep. without predators, uh, things go wrong very quickly. You need predators mm-hmm. to keep the balance, but at the same time, you need everything else to keep the balance. You need this, the topsoil 
you need soil health, soil diversity. So again, I'm just piggybacking off your point, but I think that's super important. It, it, it goes even beyond just the rodents being killed. It, it, it affects yeah. the whole ecosystem without you even realize, without people even realizing. Totally. And no one knows that story. And it's like, oh, mm. you want to monocrop the whole world? Mm. <laughs> you want to monocrop the 40% of the world yeah. that we can have crops on it? And you think that there's not going to be any death or, yeah. you know, there's not going to be. And not to mention that all of those pesticides that are used on those crops, right? Um, you're not pesticiding. <laughs> sorry. You're not pesticiding cows. You're not pesticiding the livestock because they would die, right? Yep. Um, I mean, of course, people want to talk about like antibiotics and stuff like that. Um, but remember, like you're not like the 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 glyphosate, right? That's going to be on the pesticides like Monsanto and stuff. Mm -hmm. That goes into water. That's like now in our drinking water. I just read a statistic where now I think it was like 30% of Americans are now testing positive for glyphosate in their urine like their pesticides in their mm -hmm. urine, you know, the microplastics, all that stuff. But the biggest thing is that like the water, like just like the tap drinking water, like now, like drinking our tap water mm -hmm. because of all the runoff and all mm -hmm. the pesticides from farming that actually get in the tap water, like it's kind of dangerous, yeah. <laughs> you know, like you have to be careful. You got to yeah. test your water and see what's going on. Yeah. And I mean, on the notes of monocropping, uh, alternative fats and milks and things like that. There's a great explanation in the book. Um, I don't have the exact page, but explaining how it is, it's still, it's just nowhere near nutritionally, like the nutrition content of like almond milk is nowhere near the content of normal milk. And to think yes. that it is, is absolute, it's ludicrous. So, for those that don't know, your body's ability to absorb a lot of the nutrients from plant-based material or plant-based milks gets uh, extremely inhibited because of things like oxalates, phytates. These are all defense chemicals in the uh, plants or that basically keep the plants alive. So everything, everything needs in nature, everything needs to be kept alive by some mechanism. Is it, is it running away? Is it fighting and animals, mostly, most animals, they either run away or they have teeth to fight or horns to fight. Plants are very different. Uh, there's a great quote here explaining the big difference between how plants and animals defend themselves. So basically all living creatures need a way to defend themselves against being killed or eaten so that they can spread their genes onto the next generation. Unlike animals, plants are unable to run away. They need another way, they need another way to protect themselves from insects and other animals that consume them. Therefore, they created other types of defenses in order to attempt to produce offspring. So while many plants are downright poisonous to humans, others will do their best to use you as a vehicle to spread their seeds, sending out chemical defenses, and so on. And, and, and that's the big word is seeds. So mostly seeds are in any plant, seeds are the most toxic part of the plant because that's where all the genes are encoded. So yeah. eating tons of seeds is just, if, if you got gut issues and you're eating seeds, it's not a good idea. So like, is that like sunflower seeds? Like yep. what, I mean, is that like stuff that's on a bagel? Like the yep. Poppy seeds? Yeah, pop, well, 
there's I'm like poppy seeds, <laughs> poppy seeds, <laughs> heroin. Um, you mean something where they can grow a plant from it, basically? Yeah. Like if any, you planted it and it any, would. Any seed, um, nuts are a seed. Nuts as well, yeah. So nuts have got some of the highest contents of yes. anti anti nutrients. So you're eating nuts, you might be thinking, hey, I'm getting a bunch of protein. I'm vegetarian. I have to get my protein somehow. But these nuts have uh, chemicals that are bound to the nutrients themselves that prevent you from absorbing them. It's not bullshit. It's uh, science. Um, it's not propaganda. This is just something. This is just evolution taking yes. place. I mean, if something would allow you to eat it without there being an advantageous um, situation to itself for reproduction, then it would die. Because how yeah. can it how can it reproduce if you're just eating everything? It it wouldn't yeah. be able to. <laughs> I would argue that probably beef is so remember like the almonds that you can eat today, like we had to cultivate those for like centuries to get them to the point where they wouldn't kill you. Yeah. So like if you back in the day saw almonds that are like in the wild or whatever, right? Like which wouldn't happen because they would look completely different. But anyways, like you would die from eating those, right? Like okay. they would have those that are super just like poisonous and you wouldn't you would be able have to, to ferment them. them. You would have to like they do. Something. I mean, you would have yeah. to soak them for hours on end before you can eat them. And that's totally. a tedious process. Like it just in my mind. But the, like, what I'm saying yeah. is that the sign, like the, the, the yes. concept behind there is that like, if you're a plant, you literally have to defend yourself from the chemicals from like mm. the makeup inside of you, right? Mm. The only thing that I can think of that hasn't been modified over like thousands of years is cattle, yeah. right? Like I've seen it with the chicken. I've seen it with, well, all fruits and vegetables, right? Because they've been genetically modified to be bigger and brighter and better and different, right? I mean, like the chicken, I feel like Chicken and pig, I think you could probably say that those <laughs> are, you know, like those have definitely been like upped, but for the mm. most part, cows, mm. if we're talking about just like the cows that graze, you know, not mm. in a factory farm, mm. like those have not changed. Do you know what I mean? Like they haven't yeah. really changed. Like humans don't do anything to that. And I think it's wild. And I think it's just so beautiful that there's just, there's like cows. It's like, sacred. It's sacred. It, yes. It really like they've been is. around. Yes, they've been 100%. around for centuries and we haven't had to do anything to them. Like it's the most pure form of food, yeah. you know? So I just think that's, it's just, it's just wild. Cause then you're like, mm. oh, like those 4% emissions from cows, right? Mm. Which you could argue is like part of the carbon cycling that goes back into the soil and then, mm. you know, comes back into the grass or whatever, and then is synthesized into the atmosphere. But, um, so wait, let's, you, let's I, I want to touch on that for okay. a second before, because, because that <laughs> that is crucial. So we, we sort of briefly touched on it, but yeah, essentially the misconception is that methane from cars causes the same or if not worse damage to the atmosphere than fossil fuels. And let me just start by saying that that is just completely, completely overblown. It, it, it yeah. doesn't work like that. Cows do not emit pollutions. Their methane gets uh, sequestered in the natural carbon cycle that's been happening for millennia. And there's, there is great graphics in the book. And if you want to follow Diana Rogers, um, her Instagram handle is at sustainable dish. 
I'll, we'll put in the link, we'll put in the show notes and everything. She has great graphics showing the carbon cycle of, uh, of cows. And it is not the same as fossil fuels. Fossil fuels get added to the atmosphere. Um, cattle emissions and methane gets recycled and upcycled. So sorry, I know I know I cut you off there, but that no, 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 that, no. that is so important that really you bring that important. up because that that for me is the key of the book. It, it, it really sums up because it, that's the biggest debate right now in the world. Sorry, yeah. Yeah, no, that is the biggest debate. And you even have people that are paid on like the UN Council that are basically like, I just saw this recently, that are basically saying that if everyone stopped eating meat, you know, like we could stop climate change. We could stop, like it would reduce emissions. And it's like, it reduce it maybe, what they're talking about, maybe 2%. And a lot of that comes from the actual distribution, I believe, of the actual food yeah. getting from, you know, where it's being processed to stores, right? Like, so the mm. actual, still it's like the fossil fuels, right? It's like the actual emissions from cars and industry and stuff like that. Um, but I, I do think like, you know, some people say, oh, well, you know what? Like, <laughs> just typical, um, that's not accurate. And it's like, wait, what? Like, it's literally explaining science and it's like the natural process, like the biological process, mm. like, which is part of the system, right? Yeah. Like if, if, oh my God, if cow shit, <laughs> we are talking about poo. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there we go. We've, we've done it. <laughs> Here we go. Um, you know, if cow shit actually was like responsible for all like the methane, right? Like if just, I guess, animal shit, right? Mm. Like, there's a lot more animals. Isn't there like a lot more animals than humans in the world? Like yeah. we would be in big trouble. Hmm. So like to single out one creature, just a cow, single out one creature to me, just like that, that argument, because I think of all the animals in the world where I'm like, oh, so cows are just somehow, cows are just somehow an issue. Like hmm. everywhere else, deer, everything like that doesn't matter, but it's, it's the cows. Hmm that like doesn't like in my head I'm just like using critical thinking I'm like that doesn't yeah. really make sense to me because you're only saying that like cow shit is an issue and like I don't know it just it's pretty crazy to me but there is the carbon so what we were talking about right so like when a when a cow poops right or I guess you could also talk about like when it's belched <laughs> when they belch <laughs> when they poop there is the carbon um sequestration that happens so what they say is with the help of grazing animals, carbon is taken from the air by plants and pumped into the soil, providing energy for soil microbes to build um, humus and store carbon. Mm -hmm. So like there's the new soil that actually comes from the poop that's then like regenerative, like just into the soil yeah. and is then like healthy soil is actually holding more water because of the animal poop that is like put into it basically yeah. so there's like this so whole underground literally regenerative yeah. farming practices literally recycle carbon and actually yes. it actually uh you get carbon credits basically your, your farm should get credits for for being yeah. a farm because you are you sequestering carbon which is pretty phenomenal if you think about it it's and what i what i like is like it's not it's not it's we're not saying that factory farming is at all, at all good or the answer but it but again the point is that neither is just renunciation neither is just removing this sacred yeah. animal because they are actually part of the solution um which i think is so it's so important to think about yeah yeah they're part of like the natural it's the easiest thing is like 
they're part of the natural cycle. Yeah. And also like I have, this goes back to like the tie-in saying like that cattle is a problem. It's like, so we have the lowest amount of meat consumption since the 1970s, but we have an increase in the amount of emissions and everything. Mm -hmm. It's like, why are we blaming a cow when the, you know, use of that cow or the consumption of that cow has consistently gone down more and Mm -hmm. more. So like to me too, like it's like one's going down and one's going up. Okay, this is probably not causing this, right? (laughs) Like I'm just gonna say that now. Like that's probably not the it's just so crazy that like critical thinking, this greenwashing and this like meat is bad, cows are bad, like this is a problem, livestock's a problem. It's like, Mm. but we're eating less than we ever have and it's still going up. So we've probably need to look at all the cars we have we probably need to look at the industry like we need to look at those other things mm-hmm. um yeah. so i just but, thought that was interesting as well again it, it, it was a great book um yeah i i highly recommend anyone who's remotely interested in endogenitive farming or starting a meat-based diet or whatever what even if you're vegan i think it i think it actually got rated number one as a vegan book for a while on amazon yes. after they went on joe rogan's podcast which is, yeah. which is amazing. Yeah. And I just think we need more people. We need more books like this because it, it explains things in a, in a very non-biased way. And again, highly recommend the read. Yeah. And just so you guys know, we just went over some really basic things that are covered in here. There's so many topics, mm. um, that we couldn't cover all in like an hour, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, just know that basically I think they just go into every single myth, every single, basically every single thing that's been said about meat, whether it's true or not, like they dive into it. Mm. I think that's so important because we're talking about, Hey, like we want better meat, right? Like we want that regenerative. We want people to know that, you know, like grass fed cows, just cows in general, like they're not as bad as you think, but we really want people to know that there's a right way to farm. There's a right way to, you know, raise cattle. Yeah. Um, and I think that covers it for a good amount, but yeah. So sacred cow, go get it. It's go a great it. book. And, uh, don't forget to like, subscribe, comment. Uh, it goes a long way and we will catch you in the next episode. Yes. Bye. Cheers.